0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Padres reporter A.J. Casavell. And A.J., uh, exciting week for the Padres when you talk about the 2018 season because it was announced this week that the Padres will be taking on the Dodgers in Mexico. It's May 4th to the 6th. It's actually regular season baseball we're talking about. Estadio Monterrey is the location. There'll be home games for the Padres. Um, just talk about what something like this, a series like this in Mexico, means for the Padres organization that is obviously located in Southern California, not that far from the Mexican border.
1: Yeah, for the Padres, they've been, they're have a franchise that's been long to embrace their Mexican fan base. And I think what this does is... Uh, I mean, they've done it. They've done it three times before, twice during the regular season, uh, once during last spring training. It'll be the fourth. It'll be their fourth trip to Mexico, uh, and and so what it does is kind of reinforce that that base. I think they're really trying to make an impact internationally. Uh, you look at some of the signings they have made in the front office. They're they're kind of branching out into Asia. Uh, AJ Preller is obviously big in the uh, in Latin America, um, and. And they have a they have a large fan base in Mexico, and so it's going to be a fun series. They are home dates for the Padres, so I'm curious to find out how uh how it ends up looking in terms of fans, maybe maybe travel and, and whatnot. But uh, it, it's it's definitely a good thing for Major League Baseball. It's the first time they'll be back in 19 years since the Padres and Rockies opened the 1999 season, and uh, it's a good thing for the Padres. We're we're trying to expand their reach.
0: Now it is obviously I mentioned home games for the Padres. So how does that impact things like season tickets and, and, and that kind of thing? When you think about a season ticket and the prices, is it just taking three games away from that?
1: Yeah, it's my understanding that uh, those three games—it's just taking three games. So it's on a scale. Uh, you just you scale down three games for whatever the prices would have been worth. Uh, I'm—we're we're still kind of awaiting the ticket details on on maybe travel or maybe if, if season ticket holders want to go to Monterey. Uh, all of that, I assume, will come out in the near future. But um, yeah, for now, it's, it's pretty logical. It seems like the uh, season ticket-wise, those games will be scaled back.
0: It's obviously very early in the off season, the hot stove season. Uh, GM meetings this week, and then some owners meetings, kind of a precursor to the winter meetings, which will be in December. Um, and a lot of things end up being finalized at the winter meetings, but a lot of those things end up getting started as we've learned over the years in the GM meetings, those small discussions happening uh, amongst the teams and, uh, and amongst other teams. Now, Ken Rosenthal had a report that the Padres have had internal discussions about possibly pursuing Eric Hosmer. Now, obviously that's a move that at this point probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but what does it say just about the fact that that the Padres right now are kind of open to looking at every possibility?
1: I think that's exactly what it says: is that the Padres are, are going to check their boxes on free agents, especially a guy like like you look at Eric Hosmer. He's not necess- He's not in the category of a of a guy who's who's in his decline when he reaches free agency, like a few of the free agents are. Um, I think it's it's pretty clear that he's still at his peak, and he might be for a couple more years because he's one of the younger free agents. He's one. Of, I think he's the youngest available free agent hitter, um, but. I mean, to me, it, it sounds like the Padres are dotting their I's, crossing their T's, checking over everyone they need to check on. Um, I, I it, it would be hard for me to envision them making a big splash on a free agent first baseman. Uh, they have Will Myers, obviously. He could switch back to the outfield, but, um, but yeah, it's it's early in it's early in the off season, and and they're going to do their due diligence on on everybody. Uh, Eric Hosmer's. Eric Hosmer is still uh, clearly in his prime, and his his prime might last long enough to line up with when the Padres think they're contenders. That said, the question is, will the Padres be willing to dole out that kind of money for a guy who seriously might not make an impact on a playoff contender for a couple more years?
0: Obviously, he also plays first base, which is the spot that Will Myers currently plays is in position of in San Diego. And Myers has become kind of the face of that franchise right now. Now originally an outfielder, so in theory he could move back there. But it it brings up another recent topic, and that is Will Myers' defense. Now, a couple of years ago when he made the move to first base full-time, he was a finalist for the Gold Glove. Um, His numbers, when you think about advanced metrics and, and that kind of thing, took a big step back in 2017. You have an article on... Uh, the website right now about that. What's been the biggest issue for Myers of the last year in in getting that defense going again? What does he need to work on?
1: Yeah, you mentioned that he was a Gold Glove finalist. I'd argue that he probably should have should have won the award in his first year there, and he just took a took a huge step back in 2017. I think uh, it's it's one of the more perplexing seasons I've seen for a guy who who uh, it, it's not often you see such a defensive decline for a guy who's still as young as Myers is. I think the biggest problem, and he's, he's willing to admit this, is his, is his footwork and the work of his lower half. I mean, you, you look at a lot of the balls he didn't get to in 2017 that he got to in 2016. They're balls to his left and to his right that he, he, he maybe kind of pops up on and, and instead of reacting quicker. Um, and, and so his range took a serious hit. I think he, he still made some plays that, that you kind of drop your jaw and say, wow, this guy's a pretty good, pretty good athlete. Uh, he's, he's, he's pretty good at turning double plays, I thought. Um, but just overall his range to his left and to his right took a hit, and I think a lot of that had to do with his footwork. And so he knows that. He said going into the offseason that's going to be one of his main focuses. I think the Padres, uh, they they might not expect him to get back to the gold-glove caliber first baseman that he was in 2016, but if he can be a positive asset defensively, that's that's really all they're asking for. Uh, Given his athleticism, I see no reason why he can't be, but he definitely developed some bad habits in 2017 that he needs to get out of.
0: It's awards week across Major League Baseball. Uh, Rookie of the Year's were announced on Monday night. They were kind of no-brainers in both leagues with Aaron Judge in the American League and Cody Bellinger of the Dodgers in the National League. Manuel Margot, though, of the Padres, did finish sixth in the Rookie of the Year vote in the NL. Uh, Got a second-place vote, a couple of third-place votes. When you think back on Margot's rookie campaign, obviously on a young team in San Diego, um, did he kind of – did he live up to the hype? Because obviously when he came over from the Red Sox in that trade, he was one of the big pieces, and there was a lot of talk about what he could be in the future of this franchise. In your mind, is is he still on track to become the player they need him to be?
1: I see no reason why why, why not. He's uh, He did everything that could have been asked of him. Obviously, the transition to the major leagues for a 22-year-old player isn't going to be easy, uh, but he played, he played some spectacular center field. I think... Uh, People, to to start his season, he got off to a bit of a slow start. Then he suffered a calf injury in May and maybe wasn't so great defensively right after that. The second half of the season, he played arguably the best center field defense in the National League. I think he'll be up for gold gloves in the future, uh, plural. Uh, That's kind of how quick he is and how reactionary he is and how good of an athlete that he is. He has some things to hone defensively. Uh, At the plate, his power was more than I thought it would would be. I think uh, we we heard a lot about his line drive ability, and, yeah, he sprays the ball all all over the yard. We heard a lot about his speed. We didn't hear much about his power, and uh, obviously it was a trend in all of Major League Baseball in 2017 that power numbers were up. But uh, Manuel Margot, he can sting a baseball. And uh, we saw that from day one, uh, opening the home opener when he hit two home runs against the Giants. Uh, He is one of the cornerstones I think that the Padres feel like they can build around. He's a center fielder. Uh, guys like that with that kind of speed and that kind of line drive ability at the plate don't come around every day. do uh, we, we talk about building up the middle, I think, in Austin Hedges behind the plate and Manuel Margot in center field. The Padres maybe have uh, two guys they can, they can work around for the future.
0: And hopefully Fernando Tatis fits into that as well as far mm-hmm. as building up the middle. What a great season he had in the minor leagues. All right. It's the beginning of the off season still, so it's a great time to talk about some bold predictions. Now, I'm going to have you state some bold predictions. These aren't things you think are actually going to happen. I don't want people to be like, oh, A.J. is nuts with these picks. But these are things that, if they did happen, would turn a lot of heads and would be uh, big news for the Padres. So I think you have three of them. Let's start with uh, number one, which is related to the bullpen, I believe.
1: Yeah. So number one, and I think this is actually pretty reasonable. The other two might be a little more bold, but number one, I think that that Brad Hand will command a top 50, top 75 prospect, and then more after that, and so some more prospects after that. Um, there was some serious skepticism around AJ Preller's decision to hang on to Brad Hand this off-season, and maybe or during the during the regular season at the trade deadline, and maybe rightfully so, his trade value was incredibly high at the time. He did nothing to hurt that value the rest of the season. Now, it, you're getting one less pennant race with him because he's got two more years of team control, but we saw during the playoffs just how vital relief pitchers can be, and he's, he's a guy who can go two innings if you need him. He can get a lefty out. He can get a righty out. He can strike guys out. He can come in in any spot, and he seems pretty unflappable. And So I think just, just with the value of the relief market rising and with kind of how we saw some teams in the postseason who could have really used Brad Hand's help, I think the Padres are still in position to get uh, to get a, a very nice return for him if if they end up dealing him.
0: So, hand one possible trade chip for the Padres, but he's not the only one. There's some other guys on that roster that could also bring back some talent. How about uh, Young Harris Salarte?
1: Yeah. So, my second bowl prediction, I think I would say that Young uh, Harris Salarte will not be back with the Padres next season. I think they'll trade him, maybe get some, maybe get a couple younger pieces. Uh, he's a veteran. He's a, very, he's a very important clubhouse guy in San Diego. But you, you look at his versatility. He can play second and third, and he can back up a short. Uh, he's a switch hitter. Uh, he can hit from both. He can hit from both sides of the plate. He's probably a little better from the left side. But uh, as, as a veteran, a kind of established hitter, I think there's a lot of teams that would would really value his versatility, including some maybe some playoff contenders who could who could bring him in, not necessarily to start every day at a certain spot but as a as an option to kind of move around the diamond and 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 serve as either if he's in the AL as a DH sometimes uh if he's in the NL as kind of a platoon option between second and third he's a useful piece and he could be a useful piece on a contender and I think uh there's some value to him and I would not be surprised if if he gets dealt before the uh before the end of the offseason, especially considering the Padres have Corey Spangenberg, Carlos Asuaje, Christian Villanueva, Luis Urias coming up through the system, guys who can play second and third base and maybe fill in for for if, if they end up uh, parting with Solarte.
0: I like it. That one is a bold one. Uh, he has three years of control as well, so there's some value there. 18 home mm-hmm. runs in 2017 were a career high, so uh, numbers on the power side on the way up, although that's true of everyone in Major League Baseball. All right, your third bold prediction.
1: Yeah, and so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of feeling within, I think, the Padre fan base that Shaheen and Craig Stammon would, would be nice fits in 2018, especially considering the Padres need maybe two starting pitchers, two relievers to round out their rotation and bullpen. I think the seasons they had uh, might, might end up pricing, pricing them a little higher than the Padres would like and I would not be surprised if neither returns. Now, uh, that, that's, that's a bold prediction. I, I don't necessarily think it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Craig Stammen especially, he it was nothing short of fantastic the final five months of the season. He can fill multiple roles. He can work three innings if you need him. He can get out of a jam if you need him. Uh, I think there's a lot of value in him. The Padres need to consider whether they want to sign a, a 34-year-old reliever to make potentially a multi-year deal. He said, he's one, he said he'd be interested in coming back, but, but there's, there's definitely other relief options. I think it's probably likelier that Chassin comes back, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves either. He, was, he proved his health, and I think that was the biggest question mark with him. He proved his health in 2017, and given, what, given his stuff, uh, I think his, his ERA uh, kind of ended the season around 3.9, if I'm not mistaken. Some of that some of that, uh, he's a ground ball pitcher. Some of that's attributable to his uh, infield defense. The Padres' infield defense was not great in 2017. I think he's a better pitcher than maybe that ERA leads uh, you to believe. And I think he will, uh, other teams will, will be interested in him. I wouldn't be surprised if he signs for multiple years elsewhere. Uh, the Padres have a very good pitching staff at Double A San Antonio. A lot of them, they feel, will make an impact by 2019. So the question is, do you want to fill the rotation up for 2019 with by signing guys for multi-year deals, or do you want to leave those spots open for some of the young arms? I wouldn't be surprised if if the Padres choose the latter.
0: Great stuff. We'll see if any of those bold predictions come true in the coming months. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of MLB.com Extras. It was our Padres edition. For A.J. Casavell, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.